Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. And we are in Matthew chapter 14 in our Bibles, if you want to turn there. And we've been working through a series I have titled Jesus Worldview. Jesus Worldview, where we work verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. And if you didn't know, um, the first four books of the New Testament are basically the same story, the story of Jesus, over and over again, just looking from a different angle, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you are just starting to read the Bible and you're wondering what would be a good book to start in, I would encourage you to start in the book of John. The book of John, when he, the author writes, I have written these things to you that you might believe. And uh, he's, he's writing to the reader saying, I'm writing this to you so that you'll believe more, so that you'll understand more to grow in your belief. And it's a great place to start the story of Jesus. We are working through the book of Matthew because it is the most comprehensive of the four Gospels. Um, these, when I refer to the Gospels, we're referring again to the story of Jesus. But we are working through the book of Matthew. We are in chapter 14. This is sermon number 62 through the book of Matthew. And the title of the message today is, Lord, is that you? Lord, is that you? Heard of a story, maybe you heard of this one too. This guy who tried to crack a deal with God. Do you remember him? He thought he was clever. He thought he would ask the Lord for something. And so he walked up to the Lord and said, Hey, Lord, uh, so, um, you know, is, uh, is, you know, a million years like one second to you? He's like, yeah, yeah, a million years is like a second to me. He's like, so is a second like a million years to you? Yeah, yeah, it's a second is a million years to me. It's all the same. I'm outside of time. Yeah, it, it's all the same to me. And then he says, well, Lord, is, is a penny like a million dollars to you? And, uh, and is a million dollars like a penny to you? And the Lord said, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I own it all. It, it all. It's all the same. It doesn't matter. My bank account doesn't drop. It's all the same. So, so a second is like a million years and a penny is like a million dollars. He says to the Lord, hey, Lord, can I have a penny? Thinking that he's got the Lord, the Lord says, yes, absolutely, just a second. <laughs> Come on. Today in our text today, we'll see Peter ask the Lord for something that no one has ever asked the Lord for. And the Lord will answer his request. Have you ever wondered in the middle of life, in the middle of your situation, Maybe looking out into the deep, looking out into the darkness, what's going on around you, what situation you're in, wondering, Lord, is that you? Are you in this? Are you here? Are you working? Lord, is that you? Because, you know, the Christian life has seasons. Did you know that? Sometimes in the Christian life, it's, it's summertime. And everything's fun and exciting. And uh, we, we can't wait to get to it. We need to know that sometimes that fall is right around the corner where things are starting to change and the wind is starting to blow. 
And then sometimes in the Christian life, we get to winter time where things feel cold and dark. And we wonder to ourselves, Lord, are you there? I don't feel anything. It's cold. We need to remember that springtime is just around the corner where everything is new and fresh. And the seasons of our Christian life can repeat over decades, the 10-year seasons. And they can all happen in a single day. We go from fresh and new to exciting to, whoa, what's that? And Lord, are you even there? It's amazing to watch how fast the story changes before us today. If you don't remember, Jesus was just on the shore with the boys and he, they did great miracles. He healed all of the sick. And then remember, he fed the 5,000. And they will get out on the water with him here in our story before us and they will watch things change very quickly. And I love this story. Again, another epic tale that I did not think all of this was sitting in there, but it is. I can't wait to look at it with you today. We are in Matthew chapter 14. We're going to work through verses 22 to 36. Can we stand for the reading of God's word? We always stand for the reading of God's word to pay honor to him and to remember whose word we are reading. Not my words. My words can never change you, but Jesus' words can change you forever. That's why we stand to honor him and to remember whose word this is. Look at verse 22 in our Bibles of Matthew 14. Are you there? It says, And immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. And while he sent the crowds away, after, and after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when, he, when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already many stadia away from the land, being battered by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Now when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, Is it a ghost? And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said to them, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out on the water. And he said, Come. And getting out of the boat, Peter walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped and those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, you truly are the son of God. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land of the Knesseret, and when the men of that place had recognized him, they sent word all the surrounding district and brought him to all who were sick, and they were pleading with him that they might just touch the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were cured. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit you would restore and reveal this story to us once again that we would understand it, that we would receive from it, that you would be glorified in our lives, that we cry out to you 
We come close to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Again, remember last week we saw the Lord Jesus mourn the loss of his cousin and friend John the Baptist by getting on the boat and paddling out on the water. And when he got back on shore, he, got, he saw that a giant crowd had gathered upwards of ten to 15,000 people. He had compassion on them and he healed all their sick. When the day was over, the disciples wanted to send the people away because they were all hungry, but Jesus said, to, said feed the people. And the disciples were like, with what? And he said, with that PBJ and that cliff bar. Pull that out and take it to the people. And he fed all of the people. Jesus said, feed them with what you have. The disciples didn't believe it was possible, but with Jesus, all things are possible. And he said, bring it to me. Bring it to me, and I will do great things with it. And he did, and he multiplied the five loaves and two fish, and he fed the masses. So much so that there were 12 baskets left over, remember? This is where our story picks up. Look at verse 22. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. So the sun was going down. It was dusk, and Jesus told the disciples, get in the boat and go ahead of me to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And then Jesus told the crowds, hey, guys, hey, 10,000, 15,000 people, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I'm out of here. And after he had sent the crowds away, verse 23, take a look at your text. He went up on where? Bible students, look at your text. What does it say? Where did he go? On the mountain by himself to pray. And when, he, when it was evening, he was there, what? Alone. Alone. After Jesus sent the crowds away, we are told he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And he stayed there alone, praying with the Father until it was dark. Up on the mountain and it's dark out. There were no street lights in that day. Just the stars. And there was a storm of brewing. Once again, Matthew points out the Lord retreating away by himself to pray. We saw this again just, just when he paddled out on the boat by himself to mourn, to pray. I want to point it out again because Matthew points it out again, church. There is a secret here people miss all the time. Most Christians don't realize the power in climbing the mountain alone to pray and talk with their father. Climbing the mountain alone. Man, when I lived in Mexico, this is when I was 22 years old, I stayed there for a little while, and this pastor poured into us. It was a pastor and training program, and he taught us to pray. This was the biggest thing that he was teaching us to do. I mean, we did learn the Bible for six hours a day, but we were learning how to pray many more hours each day together by ourselves. One time he sent us off for four or five hours. Just go out into the wilderness of the hills of Mexico and just pray by yourself. Get out there. You're going to start kicking dirt and picking flowers and staring at birds. or You're going to start to pray. When you're out there in the open sky by yourself, there's this picture I have in my office in Mexico. I'm sitting on this 
this rock. It almost looked like an altar. It was a, it's a big square rock with a big flat rock on top of it. And I would get on top of that thing with my Bible and I would worship and I would pray and it overlooked this valley. It was very high up. And um, one of the guys was walking by one day when I was up there by myself praying. And uh, I had a little Kodak camera with me and he snapped a shot. I still have it there in my office. Yes, real film. <laughs> and uh, it's special. I have a big beard and I have long hair. Use your imagination. And I'm just seeking the Lord by myself. But this repetition, day after day after day, of walking out into the hills by myself and just praying and talking to the Lord and opening my leather journal that I had and I would write in it every day and I would just write and write and write. The things that God was revealing to me, the things that God was showing me, it was developing a real relationship with God. When I, gave, when I came back uh, to Southern California, I would always look for a hill nearby my house because I was looking for that place to be alone with the Lord again. I was always looking for that Mount Sinai, that quiet place where the Lord was. And there's nothing like it. I think the water is that place for me now. The water is my mountain that I paddle out on with my board and I sit out there and just try to soak in the presence of God. I'm telling you, most Christians don't realize the power in climbing the mountain alone to pray and talk with their father. There is a principle here I was taught when I was in Mexico, and it is the four Ps. If you want to write it down, the four Ps. Yes, P. Prayer in private gives you power in public. Prayer in private gives you power in public. You know who your father is. You know your father, you know who your father thinks you are and knows who you are. You are secure and stable in him. You don't need the approval of man. You don't need the approval of people when you have the approval of your father. And you stand in power. You can speak to the masses. You can serve the people. You can stand in boldness. You can speak the truth. You can stand in love and be kind. You don't have to be intimidated or scared. You don't have to be inferior. You don't have to be less than. And you're not pushed around by the will of people. You can stand in humility and love and serve people. You don't have to be insecure when God is your father. And you've met with him today. You know who your father is. You know who your business partner is. You know who's backing you. You're secure in him. Prayer in private gives you power in public. This was the secret to Jesus' ministry. He was in constant fellowship with the Father. John 12, 49, Jesus says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. He was going to commune with his Father to get the download of what to say and what to speak on the daily basis. Even Jesus set an example for us to seek God. John 5, 19, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing by himself unless he sees the Father doing it. For whatever the Father does, so the Son does also. Where did Jesus learn that? 
He learned it from his father. He grew in stature, we know, in wisdom and in stature, the Gospels tell us. We see this with Moses and Joshua. Did you know that? Exodus 33, 11. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Moses' assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting after Moses had left because he wanted to talk with God. When's the last time you went into the tent of meeting and got alone with God? Are you scared to be alone with God? Are you scared to climb the mountain and sit and wait to see what he might say? What he might ask? What he might reveal? Are you nervous he might bring up the sin in your life? Why would you be scared? The text tells us he is ready to forgive. He's gracious and merciful. Are you nervous he might bring up that situation and call you to obedience? What it might produce holiness in your life, which I believe holiness is happiness. The reason we're not happy is because we've got all these things destroying us around us. Holiness is just walking with your God. What if he might minister to you and bring you peace in that moment like no one else can? A therapy session like you've never experienced. A counseling session that you've been longing for from the counselor, from the Prince of Peace. I am telling you, no one can heal my heart like God can. Nobody. When I get alone with him, forget it. The gloves are off. He's going to get my heart. Are you scared of that? That's all he wants. A broken and contrite spirit and heart before the Lord. That is all that he desires. Moses knew it. Joshua knew it. Noah knew it. Abraham met with God alone. Job met with God alone. Daniel met with God alone. David took out his guitar and sung to God alone. The secret to all these people's lives was they met with God. When is the last time you met with God alone? Do you have a meeting in the near future? Have you set an appointment? Oh, it's not on the calendar yet. Well, we can fix that today now, can't we? Put it on the calendar. I got to meet with the Lord. And don't let anything else get in the way. Uh, what are you doing at this time? Oh, I'm busy. Well, what are you busy doing? I mean, uh, it's pretty early in the morning. I'm sure you could come. No, I'm busy. I'm sorry. I don't have time. Really? You have a meeting? Yeah, I have a meeting. It's scheduled. Who is it with? with this? It must be a very important meeting. You can't show. It's with the Lord. We've got to talk about some stuff. John Blackard said the secret of reaching men is to know the secret of reaching God. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, everything we do in the Christian life is easier than prayer. Ultimately, there is no better index of one's spiritual state and condition than one's prayer life. Can you believe that? 
There is nothing easier. The most difficult thing that we will ever do is seek God in prayer. Ivor Powell said, Satan is far more anxious to keep us off our knees than he is to keep us off our feet. If he can just keep you away from the Lord and you live a great life, he's got you. Just make them comfortable. They never have to pray about anything. Then I'll get them away from God. And then I'll have their heart. J.I. Packer said, men who know their God are before anything else men who pray. Ravenhill said, no man is greater than his prayer life. That's it. Because the honest truth is, what if uh, you were married and uh, you just did a bunch of things for your spouse, but you never talked to them ever? You did a bunch of things, you ran around doing a bunch of things, and that's all you do is you just do a bunch of things, but you actually never say a word to them. Is that a relationship? Hmm. Kind of sounds like the Christian life in America to some degree. We just go to church and we have a Bible and we do some stuff and we help that ministry and we do this thing over here and we do that thing, but we never, we actually don't even ever talk to them on our own. Is that a relationship? That's not a relationship, and that marriage won't last. Jesus was leaving the crowds, his disciples, and yes, his family daily to go and talk with his father. Let us learn and grow to do the same church. This is where the power and wisdom is. We must be a people who seeks and knows the Lord, and I triple dog dare you again to get up on the hill Go for a walk. Go and commune with your God, I dare you. Look to the sky, Lord, are you there? Do you hear me? This is what's going on in my heart. What do I do? Get on your knees, I dare you, out in the middle of nowhere. Say, Lord, are you there? Help me. Watch him show up. God says over and over in his word, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. We gotta come to him. Let's stop playing Christianity. I wanna see my life changed. I wanna see your life changed. I wanna see the city's lives and hearts changed if they come close to the one who is love. I know what will happen. They'll start loving each other. That's where peace is found. It's not found in anything else. So stop pursuing everything else with all your heart. Well, Jesus is up on the mountain praying. The disciples were paddling across the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> Jesus said, I'll see you guys on the other side, okay? I'm going up to pray with my father. I'll be right back. Look at verse 24. But the boat was already many stadia away from the land being battered by the waves, potentially a couple miles deep, for the wind was against them. So of course, a storm shows up. The wind starts to blow, Jesus is up on the mountain. 
the waves start to hammer against the boat. The boat was in the middle of the sea and the disciples were stuck. They had been rowing all night trying to figure out what to do. The boat starts rocking like crazy. The disciples are wondering if they're gonna make it out, but they must have remembered what happened last time. Remember? Jesus asleep on the boat, remember? Remember the text says he had a pillow? I love that, that he had a pillow on the boat and he's sleeping in the middle of this crazy storm. That was last time. So maybe they were like, wait, I remember the last time a storm showed up, but just keep rowing. Everybody just keep rowing, you know, we're gonna be okay. Maybe they were a little more trusting, knowing that Jesus was on the mountain praying. Nevertheless, they were stuck in the middle of the sea and that's scary even for seasoned fishermen to be out on the water in the middle of a crazy storm. Look what happens. Look at your text. Look at verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. What? And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. What? Matthew writes this so nonchalantly. He just says it, and he came to them walking on the sea. This is the craziest thing anyone has ever seen or done. If you were out in the middle of the ocean and the waves were hammering against the boat, it's raining, the wind is howling, it's dark out, it's scary, no spotlights, no light bars, and all of a sudden, you were using your bucket trying to empty the boat with water. The other guys are paddling as hard as they can. And you look out into the dark distance and you see something walking through the storm on the water. This would be the scariest thing ever. You were out there alone with your crew and there is something walking on the water in the dark storm. There is no lights out there. It's the middle of the night. You see, we often envision this walking on the water. You, know, you call me out upon the water. We, we, always, we always picture that gee, it's, the sun's out and it's glassy and, and, and there's a bird flying by. Great, right? No, no, it's the opposite. He's walking, the text says, in the fourth watch of the night. This is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the night. The scariest part of the night. You ever been up at 3 a.m.? It's creepy. You wake up at 3 a.m., like, you're just like, oh, you're all of a sudden up, and you're like, what time is it, 3 a.m.? You're like, man, this is weird. It's all quiet in your house, and you walk out, and you look outside, not a single car driving by. It's like the most eerie time ever. It's 3 a.m. in the middle of the sea. And the waves are hammering the boat and they, they're, they're squinting, at, looking out as far as they can and they see something walking on the water. Somebody's just walking towards them on the water. What would you do? Verse 26, now when the disciples saw him walking on the water, verse 26, they were terrified. They, they, they didn't start singing uh, the Hillsong song. No. They were screaming like little girls and said, it's a ghost. It says, and they cried out in fear. 
Look at, the, look at the use of words by Matthew. They cried out in fear. In the darkness, 3 a.m., their boat is going to sink, and they see a ghost. When they saw the thing out on the water walking, they were like, no, 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 no. I didn't sign up for this. This is crazy. The text says they were terrified. They thought it was a, clearly a ghost, and they started to scream in fear. They thought it was a demon or the devil himself walking up, the grim reaper coming at them. They thought it was a demon coming to kill them and sink the boat. 3 a.m., the storm is raging. This is crazy. Peter's like, we're all going to die. They couldn't think of it being anything but a ghost or a demon. Why? Because nothing physically can walk on water. Nothing. It's absolutely out of the realm of possibility to see a human being walking on the water. You must conclude it's a spiritual being come to haunt and kill them. After all, they know the supernatural. They saw the man at the Gadarenes, the demon-possessed man, legion, a thousand demons, right there on that same water. Is that one of those thousand demons that ran into the herd of pigs and drowned them in the bottom of the Sea of Galilee now come up and is sitting on the water ready to haunt them, kill them? This is the real story of them walking on water. Verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. As they were looking out, and Peter's like, just paddle harder, paddle harder, come on dude, paddle harder, you know, he's, he's throwing the bucket, he's trying to get the water, paddle harder, we gotta go. All of a sudden, he recognizes the Lord's voice. Lord, is that you? Praise God, they must have thought their faces turned from being terrified, stressed, in great fear and danger, being completely paralyzed in that boat. It turned to immediate joy and peace and rest. The only person they would ever want to see and know that it was out there on the water. Let it not be a ghost. Oh God, let it be Jesus. He says, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. They recognize the Lord's voice. I love this, it's Jesus, it's the Lord walking on the water. This is crazy. He first says to them, take courage. Look at your text, take courage. The opposite of courage is coward, a coward. They were in great fear and tucking their tails. They didn't pray. They didn't shout to the storm, do you know who we are? We're Jesus' disciples. And ghost, you got a problem with us? You have no idea who our God is. They didn't shout to the ghost, they were in great fear. Huge lesson here, what do you do when the storm shows up or there is a ghost on the water? How do you act? I hope you would stand in courage and call upon the name of the Lord. Too often that is not what we do. We cower, we tuck our tails, and we lay low, hiding in the hole, waiting for the enemy to come and take us. That is not the Christian heart. That's not the Christian spirit. 
For we do not have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. The next thing he says after take courage, look at what he says. What does he say? It is I. There's a hidden phrase here that every Jew knew right here in our text. Did you see it? It is I. It is the words in me ego. I am. I am. It is I am. It is I. In John 8, 58, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. When he said this, they picked up stones to stone him and kill him for saying that, before Abraham was, I am, because what he was saying was blasphemous. I am. What is I am? you got to turn back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. It, God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Ego me. Jesus says, it is I. God tells Moses, tell them this is who sent you. I am. Jesus says, I am. I'm here. The Almighty is walking on the water of your storm. Point number one, if you're taking notes. Point number one, if you're taking notes, the Almighty is walking on the water of your storm. Jesus was declaring his deity once again. The one sent from heaven is here. The Son of God is here. God Almighty is here. Emmanuel, God with us, is here. The great I am is walking on the water. The one who controls the waves and the sea, disciples. The ocean I think one of the reasons I love the ocean so much and I love the massive waves, I absolutely love it. I love the power of it. When you go under a massive wave, there is like nothing like it. I'm not saying being hit by it. I'm talking about when you actually get under it and get under the backside of it. And it is a 10-foot wave and you, it's called duck diving. You dip the nose of your board in and you duck dive under the bottom of the wave and come out the backside of it and the wave just goes over your back but you feel the power of all of that water. I think the reason why I love the ocean so much is no one can control it. It does what it will. It'll take over a city if it wants to. No one can stop it, nobody can manipulate it, it's way too big. There's more water on the planet than land. It's massive. No one can control it except God. He made it. No one can control it except God. He is the one who commands it and walks on it. It is as stable as solid ground to him. He made it. And when Jesus says, take courage, it's I. He's saying, it's the I am, it's God. I'm here, don't you guys remember who I am? I'm walking on the water. Psalm 89, 8, O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you steal them, the psalmist says. The psalmist even knew that God alone can still the sea and the storms of your life. 
Job 9.8, he alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. God was surfing long before anyone else. He treads upon the waves of the sea. The I am is the one on the water. Jesus reminding his boys who he is. Then he says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Stop being afraid. It's me. I'm here on the water controlling it. We forget so many times in the storm who was walking on the sea. It's the great I am. You're in the storm. Squint your eyes. Look further. Don't you hear his voice? It's him. He's on the water walking on your storm. Walking on the water in your storm of life. He's right there. Lord, is it you? Are you there? We forget so many times in the storm who's walking on the sea, it is the great I am. The same phrase was used in Isaiah. Are you ready? Strap on your seatbelts. Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3. But now thus saith the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The Lord dances on the water of your storm. He's dancing along. And we're over here freaking out. The boat's going down. The waves are big. The wind is difficult. And Jesus is just dancing around in the water. We forget to look further. Look, church, family, look into your storm and find the Lord. Look deep into the darkness of your storm and find the Lord. Family, sometimes we're too busy to do this, huh? We let the busyness of life just take us over and we never actually sit down. We never get on the mountain. We never sit by the Lord, by, by ourselves with the Lord and just look into the deep of our storm and find him there. After realizing it's the Lord, Peter does the coolest thing on the planet. Verse 28, look at your text. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, Command me to come out to you on the water. Who does this? Only Peter. Point number two, if you're taking notes, Lord, if it's you, command me. Lord, if it's you, command me. Command me. 
to come out on the water. Lord, is it you? Lord, is it you in the storm? Lord, are you out there? When's the last time you looked out into the darkest of storms and the deep of the water of your situation and said, Lord, is it you? Lord, is that you in the storm? Lord, are you causing this? Lord, are you allowing this? Lord, are you testing me? Lord, if it's you, Lord, if it's you, command me. Command me, O oh Lord, in the middle of my storm, command me. Command me to come to you. Please let me come to you. That is where I want to be, is with you in the storm. I don't want to be anywhere else. I want to be with you. I would rather be with you in the middle of the storm on the sea than in the boat. I want to be out in the storm with you. I don't want to be out there in the boat by myself. The Lord never said we wouldn't have storms, church. We are going to have so many storms. I'm telling you, they're on the horizon. In this life, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the whole world. In this life, you will have storms, storms, but take heart. I am in the storm. I'm standing on the water. The boat will sink, but Jesus will never sink. You trust in anything else, it will sink. You put your trust in anything else, I promise you, it will sink. Your business, your money, people, opportunities, they will all sink. They will all fail you, I promise. The one who will never fail you is the Lord Jesus. He doesn't sink. He walks on water. I thought boats walk on water, not like Jesus. You ever see the Titanic? Not even God himself can sink this boat. Oh, really? Okay. He is the ark. He is the ark you must run into to hide and be saved from the great storm and flood. He is the ark. He is the ark. Run into him and hide and be safe. Peter says, Lord, if it is you, command me. Some of you need to pray that today. Lord, if it's you in the storm, command me what to do. Command me to come to you. Lord, let me come to you on the water. I want to be with you in the storm. This is the story of salvation. It's the whole shebang sitting right here. Lord, command me to come to you. Save me. Look at verse 29. And he said, come and get out of the boat. And after getting out of the boat, Peter walked on the water and came toward Jesus. I love this. Point number three, if you're taking notes, you'll never walk on water until you take a step of faith. Everyone who criticizes Peter will never walk on water. You will never walk on water until you take a step of faith. Did you know that? It doesn't work that way. You don't just float on water. You got to take the step of faith. People make fun of Peter all the time because he was always just plowing forward, but he's the only one to ever walk on water. He took the risk. As I grow older, I want to take less risks. I want to protect. I want to control. 
And God constantly challenges me in this because when I was young, I would do crazy stuff. I want that heart of a child. Peter's the only one to ever walk on water because he asked. James tells us that you have not because you ask not. If you lack wisdom, let him ask. It'll be given from heaven. And the only reason you don't have is because you don't ask. Peter was the only one to ask. Why not ask? It was random, but not that random. Jesus was out there. What gave Peter the confidence and crazy idea to even ask? Jesus did. Jesus was the difference. He asked because he knew who was out on the water. I hope when you know that Jesus is out on the water in your storm, you would ask him, Lord, let me come to you. You would take the step of faith in the middle of your storm. Hebrews 11.6, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We must believe this. Faith is the currency. Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the words of Christ. Listen to this. Peter knew who Jesus was and he was capable of and what Jesus was capable of because he knew and believed him at his word. When you know the word of God, when you know the words of Christ, when you understand Christ, who he is, and understand God, who he is, you ask things like, can I walk on the water too? When you know who he is, you ask these kind of questions. But if you don't know who he is, you would never ask something so bizarre. Peter knew the Lord. Peter was one of Jesus' best friends. He was one of the three, the inner circle. And he asked the Lord for crazy things. And I love it. I love it. He teaches me so much. When you know who the I am is, when you know who the Lord is through his word, you ask for what seems like crazy, but it happens. One of Alexander the Great's men came to him and asked him for a large sum of money so that he could marry off his daughter, one of his soldiers. And the treasurer came to the king, the great Alexander, and said, King, this is ridiculous. This man is asking for 10 times the amount of money anyone needs for a normal wedding. You can't give this to the man. Alexander the Great replied, I am thankful that he is asking for so much because it shows that he believes that I am very rich and powerful and that he believes that I am very generous and gracious and so I will give him the money. After telling this story, Tim Keller said, let us not insult God with our prayer requests, asking for so little, not believing our God is great and generous enough to pull it off. Who is our king? Peter knew. Who thinks this up? Like literally, it's like, Lord, can you just push our boat over to the shore? I mean, why does he say such something so crazy? He's like, um, oh, the Lord's out there? Lord, can I, can I join you? I mean, it's bizarre. It's just as crazy as Abraham leaving his whole town, leaving everything he knew to go where he did not know because God called him to. It's as crazy as Noah taking a hundred years to build an ark when it had never rained. These bizarre things that these people of God did because they believed God. They knew who he was. 
And this chapter and this time is stirring my heart more than ever to, to, and challenging me. Why don't you believe that God can do this more in this city? You'll never walk on water until you take a step of faith. Never. And faith is the unknown. But praise God, you know who is in control of the unknown. He controls the water. Look at verse 30. We got one point and we're going to close now. But seeing the wind, he became frightened, Peter. <laughs> Classic Peter. He starts walking. He's like, oh my gosh, John, look at this. I could see Peter doing like, he wanted to go, he was like perfectly two leg. And then he was like, John, check it out. You know, he wanted to go one leg, you know. Then he like wanted to like start like bouncing through. He had to take it to the next level. He wanted to do it like a little spin dance move, you know, like he, he had to take it to the next level. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink. He cried out to the Lord, saying, Lord, save me. Verse 31, and immediately, 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 Jesus stretched out his hand and doesn't say Peter grabbed onto it. It says Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him. Peter didn't save himself. Jesus saved him. Took hold of him and said, Peter, my man, you have little faith. Why'd you doubt? Get up here. Why'd you doubt? It's me. You did one too many dance moves. Verse four, uh, point number four, when we take our eyes off Jesus, we always sink. When you take your eyes off Jesus, we always sink. When our eyes get on the storm, the wind, the waves around us, when our eyes get back on ourselves, our ability, our current circumstance, we sink. Who is Peter in the story? Every single one of us. We all sink. Did you know that? No, 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 no. I, I, I can do some dance moves on the water. No, no, no. We all sink. No one can walk on water. And all we need is for Jesus to save us. This is the gospel and the entire story of the Bible. No one can walk on water. Jesus alone saves us. So we got to stop this whole thinking, that guy can walk on water, that girl can walk on water. Nobody can walk on water. Everyone needs Jesus the same. Don't trick yourself into thinking you can dance on the water. Only Jesus can do that. We need him. Could it be on that mountain Jesus was talking with the Father about the storm and he, to send the storm so that Peter would walk out, sink, and have to declare, Lord, save me? Yes, that's the whole point of the story. So that Peter once again could see his dependence on Jesus. I will never deny you. Are you sure? Lord, I will never deny you. Even if I'll deny you, I will never deny you. Are you sure, Peter? Because everyone denies me. Everyone. And you will deny me three times. And you're going to need to call upon me to save you. Because everyone needs to call upon me to save them. Lord, is that you? 
Is the storm sent into your life to cause you to cry out to the Lord to save you? It's exactly why it's here. That's the whole story. We can't walk on water without him. Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he may be near. Deuteronomy 4, 7, for what nation is great enough to have a God as near to them as our Lord, our God? He's near to us when we call upon him. Deuteronomy 4.29, but if from there you will seek the Lord with your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Psalm 32.6, therefore let all the godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the great waters rise, they will not come near. Our story ends with some beautiful things we won't be able to get into, but look at verse 32. I'm just going to point out a couple things and we're going to pray. When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. <laughs> Jesus like, Peter, get up here. Are you doubting again? Come on, let's go. But the waves were still crashing and crazy, and then they step into the boat, and boom, the whole thing stops. Jesus just says, uh, scene change, Lord, uh, can we do the calm water thing now? Okay, good, here we go. The wind stopped. Verse 33, those who were in the boat worshipped him. They all got down on their knees and started worshiping him because he was the I am. You truly are the son of God, they said. And when they had crossed over the other side, verse 35, when the men of that place recognized him, they sent word all the surrounding area in the district. They brought him to all who were sick. Jesus gets off the boat and goes right back to healing people. Verse 36, and they were pleading with him that they might just touch the fringe of his garment. And as many touched it, were cured. They just want to touch the hem of his garment. They were believing who he was and how powerful he was. I want to ask you today, do you believe that? Do you believe who he says he is? And then I want to ask you this. Would you please just look into the middle of your storm and say, Lord, is that you? Is that you? Let me come to you in the middle of my storm. Let me come to you. Let's pray. Father, we, we need you. We need you more than ever before. And I pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit, there are some here today who need to cry out to you, Lord, save me. Save me. Save me from my situation. Save me from my sin. Save me from the darkness around me, Lord, save me. And I pray they would call out to you with all of their heart. They would believe on you, that you have died for their sin, that you have paid their punishment that's keeping them from being close to God, and that you are willing and ready to forgive them of all of their disbelief. You're ready to forgive them of all of their sin and make them new and bring them close to you. That you rose from the dead, Lord, to promise us resurrection in this life and the next. I pray they would believe on you now. They would make you Lord and Savior over their lives. They would stop following the other gods of this world. They would follow you, the true I am. They would call upon you to be saved in this moment. And Father, I pray, please, that you would do a new work in our hearts, that you would grow our hearts to believe beyond what we are capable. That we take risks. We believe that you will show up in the storm. We would step out upon the water, get our eyes on you and see what might happen. Oh God, would you bring forth brand new things in our life, 
for your glory. Use us to change the city, our families, our neighborhoods, our friendships, our businesses. Lord, whatever we steward, let us use it all for your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.